Another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. And we've got a special guest this week, Miss Kelsey Impichiche. Did I say it wrong? (laughs) I definitely said it wrong. Impichiche. She literally just told us like 30 seconds ago. Impichiche. That was closer. That was very nice. (laughs) No, I love I love hearing other people pronounce it. It's impeachike. 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 Like impeach kike. Yeah. Got it. Just like that. You got Nailed it. it. But together and faster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do say it quite fast. It's not helpful to other people at all. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being on the show this week. We're so glad that you're here. And for people who are like, who the heck is Kelsey? Um, You may have seen her in a variety of places. She's been in a bunch of feature films. She has her own YouTube channel. You may have seen her on BuzzFeed Blue. Um, Where do you think people kind of know your biggest body of work from, would you say? I would say largely I'm known for, uh, for a training video that I did that I trained for, uh, like a superhero on YouTube. What? That one went really viral. And then I'm also known for the 100 Baby Challenge on YouTube. So mostly working for BuzzFeed. Wait, wait, wait. 100 Baby Challenge. Yes. Oh, yes, Britt. We're going to talk all <laughs> oh, about that. Um, right? Just that title alone. It's like, ooh, I must hear more. You have my interest, Kelsey. <laughs> in Peachy K. Crushed it. And if and Britt, it's a, it definitely sounds like you haven't checked out the videos yet. I highly, highly recommend them. They are hilarious. Um, so Steimer is our resident Sims expert, and she is out this week. But I'm glad that we have another Sims um, savant mm. to talk to us about what the 100 Baby Challenge is and kind of what's going on with the Sims overall. Yeah. So it's exciting times it's be in fun. the Sims land. Um, they have they put out a new update recently. I thought I saw something like a little while back. They did do a pretty recent update where uh, they included a new shelf that was very. It sounds <laughs> like what? it's uh, yeah, it sounds nuts, <laughs> but it was the uh, the the fans just really. It actually looks very similar to the shelf I have right behind me, but it's just like a white. Or like, you know, solid colored wood floating shelf and they didn't have it and they updated the game to include it for free instead of an expansion because of how many fans wanted this shelf, which was incredible. It's really cool to see like direct feedback from a game just including a thing just from pure want alone of the fandom. It's great. It was very cool. 
<laughs> Max is doing uh, doing the work for the fans. Mm-hmm. Glad to hear it. Well, we will talk a lot more about The Sims when we get to the third segment later on in the show. But for right now, we've got a little bit of announcements to go over. Um, as you guys are probably aware, we have our two-year anniversary stream happening this weekend. We're very excited about it. So Saturday, May 11th. It's all going down at 11 a.m. Pacific time. This is, of course, open to everybody. We'll be streaming it across youtube.com slash what's good games and twitch.tv slash what's good games and facebook.com slash what's good games as well. So hopefully you can pick one of your favorite platforms and tune in at some point during the day. Um, there's going to be cake. Uh, there's going to be champagne. Whiskey. And there's going to be whiskey. Because Brittany loves whiskey, and so do I. I can well, because- tolerate a few sips of champagne. A few. It's and then true. I just start to pucker all over my body. Well, I picked up orange juice specifically for you. Okay. If you want to have a mimosa. I can do mimosas. And rumor has it that we'll be playing Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> I feel like you're disseminating this rumor to make it so. You committed. <laughs> I have proof. I have the proof in that chat program we use. Whatever it's called. Slack. Yes, that. <laughs> Get those screenshots. Oh, I got him, girl. I got receipts. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. um, I will. I do technically have Five Nights at Freddy's, all five of them, I believe, um, installed on this PC from when we were going to play them for Lights Off. Oh, right. So I guess I can't really say no at this point. So if you want to see Steimer and I kind of squealing a bit, I guess come on by the stream uh, in the later half. And then we also do have our Patreon streams for the month of May on Friday, May 10th. The happy hour Q&A begins at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time. And the after hour stream begins at 6 p.m. Pacific time. We're going to kind of crunch those back to back since we have to do them a little bit later in the evening. I know you guys have been used to them on Saturdays, but with the timing this month, that was just the way the cookie crumbled. Mm, Um, A couple other things. We want to give a big thank you and a shout out to this month's Patreon producers, Lincoln Davis, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Tate, and Muhammad Muhammad. And welcome brand new to our Patreon community at patreon.com slash what's good games is Aaron Costello, John Burrell, Juantonio86, Ryan Harvey, Dr. Tar Darian, Jesus Travino Jr., Jason Wiesner, Zafir, Michael Kuzner, Michaela Evans, Waylon Like Jennings, <laughs> I like that it's all one word, yep. Dustin Eckert, Dan, and Agent 47. Wow, that is quite a list. Thank you so much, folks, for joining us and being part of the fantastic group over at patreon.com slash what's good game. So forget, we have a variety of levels of membership. If you're interested in joining, you get to be part of polls, you get to see our vlogs every week. And a whole bunch of other cool stuff. Do it. Yeah, do, do it. it. Do Just it. Just do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, we're going to get into the news. What, Brittany, did I forget any housekeeping? No. You nailed it. Good job. Yes. I did the thing. You did it. This is exciting. Okay. So, before we get into the news, as I said, I have to say this segment is brought to you by calm with stress and anxiety many people can often feel exhausted during the day but then it's time to go to bed and they can't fall asleep if worry is affecting your days and nights it's probably also affecting your overall health that's why we're partnering with calm the number one app to help you reduce your anxiety and stress and help you sleep better more than 40 million people around the world have downloaded it Ooh. is this soothing should i just do the rest of the I ad feels, like i this? feel so calm the rest of the show, girl. <laughs> if you head to calm.com slash what's good, you'll get 25% off a Calm <laughs> premium subscription. 
<laughs> which does not include dogs, which includes guided me- <laughs> that's totally fine. Guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, and focus, including a brand new meditation each day. There are also sleep stories, which are bedtime stories for adults designed to help you relax. Head to the magical lavender fields of southern France with Stephen Fry, or explore the moonlit jungles of Africa with Leona Lewis. They even have soothing music and more. Right now, what's good games listeners get twenty five percent off a calm premium subscription at calm.com slash what's good that's calm.com slash what's good and you can get unlimited access again one more time calm.com slash what's good i did this last time i pulled up the app so ah sometimes i just leave the app open because the sound of water and birds is just very relaxing when you're doing emails all day (laughs) it's like you're not in front of your computer but you almost yeah (laughs) but thank you to calm for sponsoring this episode okay the first story we're going to talk about today is kind of a doozy now we've been talking about the issue of (gasps) microtransactions and loot boxes for what seems like forever forever (laughs) but it looks like legislation is finally coming to the United States. So Jason Schreier over at Kotaku writes, U.S. Senator introduces a bill to ban loot boxes and pay-to-win microtransactions. Senator Josh Hawley, Republican from Missouri, today announced a bill that would ban loot boxes and pay-to-win microtransactions in games played by minors. A broad label that the senator says will include both games designed for kids under 18 and games whose developers knowingly allowed minors to engage in microtransactions. Hawley will introduce the bill the Protecting Children from Abusive Games Act to the U.S. Senate soon. In press materials announcing the bill, Holly's team brought up the Activision game Candy Crush as an egregious example of pay-to-win microtransactions thanks to its $150 luscious bundle that comes with a whole bunch of goodies. This bill will also likely apply to a host of online games that feature loot boxes and other ways which players can spend money for real benefits. When a game is designed, sorry, this is a quote, when a game is designed for kids, game developers shouldn't be allowed to monetize addiction, Holly said in a press release. And when kids play games designed for adults, they should be walled off from compulsive microtransactions. Game developers who knowingly exploit children should face legal consequences. Last fall, the Federal Trade Commission promised to investigate loot boxes following a letter from Senator Maggie Hassan, a Democrat from New Hampshire that she wrote in the wake of 2017's string of games featuring the heavy usage of predatory microtransactions such as Middle Earth, Shadow of War, and Star Wars Battlefront 2. Although some companies have pulled back on the practice, popular games like Overwatch, FIFA, and Apex Legends continue to make big money off randomized microtransactions, many of those games played by both adults and children. Holly, 39, has become known in Washington for criticizing major tech companies like Facebook and Google, often accusing them of anti-conservative bias. There was an update that was written to the story, which says the Entertainment Software Association, the video game industry lobbyist group, sent over a statement shortly after the bill was introduced, quote, numerous countries, including Ireland, Germany, Sweden, Denmark, Australia, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom, determined that loot boxes do not constitute gambling. We look forward to sharing with the senator the tools and information the industry already provides that keeps the control of in-game spending in parents' hands. Parents already have the ability to limit or prohibit in-game purchases with easy-to-use parental controls cool this is what we this is what we've all wanted we wanted the senators to get involved and now they have lovely this is great this is wonderful no it's not nothing about this is good i mean okay i'm a believer 
of parenting and watching your children and seeing what they're doing. And if they have access, if you give your child like a credit card, right? And you're like, here, child, go have fun. And they spend hundreds of dollars on loot boxes. That is a conversation you should have with your child and say, hey, you need to not do this. And that needs to be something you need to monitor. Yo, bro, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, here's the value of a dollar. Yeah, like, just don't do it. Now, like, you know, I understand the temptation. And sure, a lot of, not a lot, some of these games are geared toward wanting you to pay that money to get that pay not to wait or, you know, pay to win. I know Shadow of War, there was a really hard grind in there that I think made it very apparent that this is kind of where you need to start spending money if you want to, you know, not grind forever and ever and ever. But, uh, you know, it, the thing, too, about this is it gets complicated because how do you prove something's pay to win also? Like, how, how can you possibly prove that? This is just – this is. I'm going to start drinking my whiskey. I'm done with this. <laughs> sure. Um, well, I think there are games that have been um, found out to be egregious in their pay to win tactics. Battlefront 2 is – the most uh, high-profile candidate, (laughs) and they clearly had a lot of problems when they launched and they realized that they needed to overhaul the way that they were handling loot boxes and microtransactions with pay-to-win in a PvP environment. And I'm really glad that they worked diligently to do that. However, it required a massive community outcry in order for them to do so. And I think that's really why gamers are frustrated, that they're like, hey, we don't inherently have a problem with microtransactions in so much as them being a transaction where I'm paying for something and I know what I'm getting. I think the idea of loot boxes is really where people are like, yo, those kind of suck. The idea that I'm paying and I don't know what I'm getting, that there's an, a random you know, generator like pulling some strings behind Our the curtain. And Jesus. I, yeah, and I don't know what the odds are of me getting the thing I truly want is. And I think that's where people have gotten really upset about this. And rightfully so. I complain all the time about the RNG and some of the games that I love, like Destiny is the biggest culprit. Um, (laughs) But I'm glad to see that the ESA is stepping in and saying, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before we talk about legislating something and telling game makers how to make their games, because that's a slippery slope Mm -hmm. that could have wide-reaching consequences, let's see if we can, as an industry, self-regulate instead. And that's always been my position that I think it's better for the publishers to come together with a solution instead of the government forcing their hand into a solution. Mm-hmm. But Kelsey, what do you think about the whole situation with microtransactions and loot boxes? I mean, it's hard. I think, you know, there's certain games like I'm a big Overwatch fan. And I think that like sometimes it's like really upsetting because you only have like so much time to play your game. And like you really want that one skin for this one event. And they make it they make it really hard for me uh, when you really want specific thing. But then again, the skins don't affect my game. I think that's the big thing is like when when it really affects my game, that's when I kind of have to be like, all right, well, like you're literally limiting your users from having like the experience you want them to have through money and like i don't know yeah i I, but i do think it's interesting that that it's coming from like the perspective of like but what about the children like this is this is like the whole thing is just like the children the children need protected it's abusive to the children children don't have money 
to be spending. It's not. It's it's really a problem for the parents. It's not that I don't think this is abusing kids necessarily. Yeah. It is true, probably teaching them bad habits though. But like you said, I think it's a similar thing where I think that people should be watching the media that their kids are are uh, consuming. I think they should be active consumers of that media too to know. Okay, like I, a parent should have played the game. You know what I mean? Like they should know that there are microtransactions in this game going into it, I personally think. I know, obviously, being a parent's really hard, and there's, like, a lot less time. But you should, you should, you those are, yeah, you should have active participating, like, knowledge and conversations with kids about, about what media they're consuming anyway. Even if it's media that doesn't have microtransactions, you should be able to talk about what messages they're learning uh, from that media. Yeah, but I think, yeah, I think the microtransactions, I agree, it, and in loot boxes i think that there should be some kind of conversation it it clearly has gotten a little extreme in the past couple years yeah yeah absolutely and it's very well said i think that uh, totally echoes sentiments that we have said on what's good previously this idea Mm -hmm. that you know we would hope that parents would be involved in what their kids are playing and i took the stance previously as well like where are the kids getting money from Do, are they using yeah. the paper route money like are they babysitting on the weekends like lemonade um, stands yeah i just i know that there's so many tools in place to guard access to your financial information within um the ecosystem of all types of games whether they're ios console or pc games that i would hope that parents would use those tools. However, I still think that there's room for improvement, particularly in the United States, about disclaimers about what types of transactions are going to be available in games. And I also would hope that publishers seeing just how far and how abusive some microtransactions have gotten would take note from how the community has reacted and say, you know what, let's change our ways. Maybe we shouldn't do this. And I think we're really seeing that, particularly with EA, who got Mm. hit really hard by the community for some of their decisions and they're saying hey you know what <laughs> maybe this isn't working maybe we should do something maybe we should do something and different and that's part of why this is not a great thing that's happening is because i feel like the industry is self-correcting i mean i feel like we're kind of going down this path i mean look at this new star wars game right it's like single player no microtransactions you know what I mean? Like they're making that statement outright. And I feel like them that's them saying, Yeah, we get it. That wasn't that was not a good look. And I feel like whenever microtransactions are implemented into a game, you know, specifically single player games where I feel like, you know, the main issue with these kind of rise, and of course, you know, you have like all the kids playing Fortnite and getting all the skins they want, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, you know, it's <laughs> those kids in their skins. Those kids yeah. in those Fortnites. <laughs> they need all the banana peel costumes. But yeah, you know, I feel like we are course correcting and I think, you know, the Battlefront 2 fiasco made such a loud stink that everyone, it was heard around the world, right? Everyone wanted to get involved. Everyone wanted to wave their fists and say, this is bad. And everyone wanted to get involved. And now that I feel like we are course correcting, it's unfortunate that now, you know, the government is trying to get involved. When we wanted, like Andrea said, it's a slippery slope. We really don't want them to, especially if we're heading in the right direction. You know, I guess. It's a little late for them. Right. (laughs) It took a while. Come on, folk. Jump on the train. We're already fixing it. Like, best case scenario, (laughs) they just scare the shit out of publishers and, you know, the execs who want these microtransactions, and then they really, like, step away from them. But, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I'm... I hope that we continue to see 
more self-regulation, particularly in the mobile development industry, because mm-hmm. even though, as you mentioned, uh, you know, Battlefront 2 kind of raised the flag for the concern around the world, the mobile industry is really the biggest culprit here and continues to quietly have really predatory microtransactions across mm-hmm. the board in a lot mm-hmm. of games. Um, but I generally, from my experience, have seen that most of those whales that are in those games are not children. Um, Apple has rigorously put safeguards in for that in the app store app store in response to the outcry from parents from a few years back which is great and i hope we see that with console and pc publishers i think you know we can kind of follow china's lead here i mean if they mandate that publishers are required to post drop rates for games that have rng why can't we do that here in the u.s i don't think that that hurts anybody it allows people to be more informed about their purchasing decisions to say hey if i'm going to buy that that loot box in Overwatch to try to get the fancy skin for the hero that I love to play. But I see that the drop rate's like 1 in 1,500. And I was thinking maybe it was 1 in 50. Maybe that'll give me pause about how much money I want to spend on buying it, right? Yeah. It would be nice to know, you know, how much I actually have to spend to get that Blackwatch Genji because it took a lot of of time. It did. (laughs) And money. Yeah. Well, I fully anticipate this to go nowhere like most of the legislation proposed in the United States. <laughs> it's just the way it is. We're so good at working. Um, yeah, but we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on it for you. Um, <clears throat> up next, Britt, you want to take this one? I would love nothing more. <clears throat> Ubisoft store leak apparently gives up next Ghost Recon. This is from Polygon. Elysian for what appears to be the next Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon game leaked through Ubisoft's own online store earlier today which is Wednesday. Ghost Recon Breakpoint is the game's name. The release date is said to be October 4th for PS4, Windows PC, and Xbox One. According to an earlier Incense Removed post, whoops, on the Ghost Recon subreddit, Ghost Recon Breakpoint features the character Cole D. Walker, introduced in last week's Operation Oracle update for Ghost Recon Wildlands, in charge of an army of weaponized drones. The post, which the subreddit's moderators elected to take down for a host of reasons, called Breakpoint a, quote, story-driven four-player experience like 2017's Ghost Recon Wildlands. The store link, in German, was for a collector's edition of the game featuring a statuette of a cloaked fighter brandishing two firearms. Polygon has reached out to Ubisoft to ask for comment on this leak. The game's official Twitter account told fans to tune in tomorrow at 2.30 p.m., 11.30 a.m. Pacific for a full announcement. Cool. So... By the time the podcast airs, <laughs> the announcement will have happened, and I fully imagine that Ghost Recon Breakpoint will be revealed with the disclaimer, stop by UBE3 for more details since, you know, their press conference is about four and a half weeks away at this point. Oh, boy. Yeah, oh boy. this is an interesting choice. I had kind of hoped the next Tom Clancy that they were going to be announcing was going to be a splinter cell oh, instead yeah. of Ghost Recon because we just got Ghost Recon and they've been updating it quite frequently over the last couple of years. But hey, I guess that's cool. Uh, yeah, I'm I excited. still got the division. <laughs> I liked Wildlands. It was fun. It was kind of a, a technical snafu. There are a lot of bugs and it was kind of broken, but in its own sweet, charming way. You know when a game is like broken? I wouldn't say it was broken. There were a lot of little technical hiccups and bugs in it, but it actually made the game a little bit more endearing. It was kind of just like, oh, that's cute. That happened. And you laugh a lot. Um, I think I started playing that right around the time we launched What's Good, actually. I think it came out around right around. Yeah, that was really close to our launch. Yeah. And I was playing it with Jason at the time and we had a blast. We had a really, really fun time with it. So, hey, this is cool. I'm down. I will play this. 
It's a thing I'm interested in. Cool. There we go. Mm. Do you think we're going to get like a 30 second like little teaser and then it's going to be like UBE3 or do you think we're going to get the full fledged reveal? I mean, they might come forward with a reveal trailer that's like 90 seconds long. I don't think that we're going to get like a full announcement. I think we'll get like a logo for sure. We might get, you know, like a even something short with like a 30 second teaser where they're just kind of like zooming in and out of the logo and not really showing anything. I think this is really for them to just say, hey, like. All right, you got us. I feel like poor Ubisoft has yeah. the same leak happen every year in the month of May, right before E3. <laughs> They're like, we're trying to make it to E3. <laughs> Let us just get that final stretch. <laughs> I, mean- I want to reveal it like everyone else does. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they do this on purpose. Maybe they're like, ha ha, E3, we got you before. <laughs> we got pre-hype. <laughs> I know. I saw this leak actually today and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool because otherwise we would have nothing to talk about other than, hey, there's going to be a thing that happens on Thursday and we can't talk about it. But now at least mm. we can briefly talk about it for probably a minute and 37 seconds and then we have to move on to the next story. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's... <laughs> we have nothing else to say about it. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good way to, to put it, Britt. All right, well, then I guess we'll segue. Um, and we'll have an update for you on hopefully Ghost Recon Breakpoint next week. Yes. All right, next story. EA, speaking of which, expands subscription service to PlayStation 4. Um, over at Game Informer, Imran Khan writes, Sony Electronic Arts have announced that EA Access, the game subscription service that allows players to access various EA sports and action games, will finally be coming to PlayStation 4 starting in July. The service has been available on Xbox One and PC since its inception back in 2014. Dang, I forgot it's been around for that long. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is now on the PlayStation 4 for the first time. Well, not technically now, in July. Sony had denied the service before, theorized to compete with their own PlayStation Plus offerings, um, and for and made a public statement that they did it not <laughs> they did not believe it to be a good value for their customers. That's just a PR way of saying Microsoft paid for it. <laughs> now EA and Sony seem to have reached an agreement on the value as the service will be coming to PlayStation for $4.99 a month or $29.99 a year. That's a really great savings yeah. by the full year versus month to month. Um, the service lets players access EA games before the release in 10-hour time-limited trials as it did with narrative about the PS4. Wait, I skipped a line. Yeah. As it did with... Anthem earlier this year, which is playable on every platform except for PS4. The growing narrative about the PS4 not getting big games like that on time was likely a pressure point for Sony, which helped grease the wheels of getting the service. Cool. Yay access. Get you early access to games. Get you a 10% discount when you want to buy it. Um, So I tweeted about this earlier this week, and some people told me that because of the way backwards compatibility works on the Xbox One, the library on PlayStation 4 for EA Access is actually considerably smaller than it is on Xbox One, which I thought was interesting and kind of a bummer. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I didn't think about that either until you said something. But yeah, so how... Okay, so I have a question. So Xbox has their their back compat, as the cool kids call it, program. And now EA Access is obviously also on Xbox. So are there games that overlap the two of the services? Do you know what I mean? So, like, if, let's say, Dragon Age is just naturally an Xbox One, ba- Xbox 360 backwards compatible game, and I'm sure Dragon Age is also on EA's Access, so it's like you're, you're technically paying to have 
the game that you already have access to for free, but you get the other library of games. I don't know. I'm confused. Hmm. Well, I think the way that it would work if you are an Xbox One owner is like, uh, for example, I own all of the Mass Effect discs on Xbox 360. I can just put them into my Xbox One and play them for free. They're included with EA Access, so I wouldn't be purchasing EA Access specifically to play those games since I already have access to them because I bought them. But I didn't buy Dragon Age 2, for example. Um, I think I rented it on Gamefly or something. It was forever ago. Oh, Gamefly. Um, And... So if I wanted to go back and play that, my options are to either find a used copy in a GameStop somewhere, uh, buy it digitally, which it may or may not be the same price as getting it on a discount, right? Buy it used, or I can pay for EA Access and play it there. And you just download it digitally. I honestly don't know how that works. I thought it was a streaming service, but apparently that's not correct. Right, because this is why why my my hair is is well. I was gonna say this is why my hair is getting blonder because you know I'm blonde and I have a question, but this is completely and absolutely irrelevant. It has nothing to do with anything I'm about to say. Okay, so I'm con- this is why I'm confused. <laughs> okay, okay. Is because yeah. So if if what is it about the backwards compatible? If it is streaming, that makes the PS4's library smaller. If it's all streaming, it shouldn't matter. So do you have to insert your disc? Like I that's. I mean, I tried looking up the answer. I tried doing my research, and I couldn't find anything. And so now I ask you, friends, Kelsey and Andrea, to help. Oh, me. I don't know. Um, it's a good question, hmm. actually. So it says that you can download games from the collection or use online features like multiplayer. Um, do I have to have gold? Or I'm looking at the FAQ on EA's website to see, like, how does EA access work? These are the steps you are following in my footsteps. Either way, um, I, cool. I love that there is a question in the FAQ that says, is EA Access worth it? <laughs> <laughs> and they posted it. Oh my yeah. God, that's so good. We think so. For the cost of a fancy coffee per month or a couple of large pizzas per year, I mean, you get dozens of games, exclusive early access to new titles, and savings on other great EA content. <laughs> You're oh coming God. to us for this question. We're clearly going to say <laughs> something what else. expect him to say? Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> oh my, God. My, my curiosity is that, is this coming around, because it's July, is this coming around the time that E3 is coming out with, like, you know, looking at a new PlayStation and like some maybe some new games added to that collection. I'm curious if maybe that was like one of the reasons why they're like, oh yeah, we'll do it now. <laughs> we'll just add it. Yeah. Yeah, that's possible that they're going to be adding some stuff to the vault. So their whole thing with the vault is that games rotate in and out of it. That mm-hmm. it's not like an ongoing, like they just keep adding and adding and adding. Um, so they have over 50 games currently in the vault. Um I, this is really good for people who are big sports game yeah. fans since there's a lot of access to EA sports games. Um, mm. But for me, my primary interest in EA access is the early access to games. Mm-hmm. Like it killed me that I didn't get to play Anthem early this year, that I had to watch everybody else play early. And I was like, no, I want to play early, but I'm playing on PS4. She had the FOMO. <laughs> yeah. Definitely have FOMO for sure. Um, But yeah, so I guess if you currently have EA Access and you're listening to us be like, oh my gosh, let me tell you all about it, please write in to whatsgoodgames.com slash dearwgg and let us know Mm -hmm. how you like it 
if you hate it, how it works. Can you stream games? Do you have to download them? Yes, please answer our questions. All of the details. Mm. And maybe I'll buy a month subscription and test it out for myself and see how it goes. There you go. Okay. Britt, you want to take this next one? (coughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) Okay. Square Enix teases Final Fantasy in advance of Sony's State of Play episode. This is via Game Informer. So Sony is holding a 10-minute State of Play presentation at the PlayStation Maker. Yeah, PlayStation Maker. That just seems weird. Okay. Seems features the medieval remake and a look at a new title. We don't know what that new title is yet, but Silicon Era. Did I say that right? You did. Thank you. Has found some interesting tweets that could point to something Final Fantasy VII related from Square Enix. It starts with Square Enix executive Shinji Hashimoto, Hashimoto tweeting about Sony's State of Play episode, which is followed by the official Final Fantasy Twitter account posting a picture of Cloud visit a Chocobo farm in Final Fantasy VII and then a Chocobo pole. Oh, it's coming, ladies and gentlemen. We are getting something. What that thing is tomorrow? I don't know. Okay, so obviously we're recording on a Wednesday. The State of Play is Thursday. So we're going to get the medieval thing. And then, I mean, all science points is something Final Fantasy VII related. I mean, when the executive tweeted, he said, oh, you've come. That's what he said. And now, you know, Final Fantasy, the Twitter account tweeted the thing. Oh, my God. I still don't think this game is coming anytime soon. But maybe. What, you don't think? Yeah. No, that's it. I mean, I agree with you. I feel like anything that's, you know, kind of Final Fantasy related, it takes multiple multiple years of them talking about it and also they said that this state of play is going to be 10 minutes long and most of that i believe is going to be the medieval um showcase of them showing the gameplay and then this new title i think will be quick um but we also know that they're not doing anything at e3 this year so it's weird that they're announcing just a single new title and giving updates on existing titles i don't know what to feel about this um but Brandon K. Gone. That's right. I said your name wrong. I did it Bartholomew Gannon because I love you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Gann. Um, he wrote in and said, hello, what's good? By the time this podcast recording, we'll have yet to see the second state of play from PlayStation and getting the word world reveal of the next Ghost Recon on the same day. My question is about these reveals to me, are starting to feel more numerous. Do you think we'll be getting even more standalone singular game reveal streams like Borderlands 3 last week? And do you think AAA games are the ones that benefit the most from these types of events? Thank you very much for taking my question and have a wonderful rest of your day. Hey, thanks, Brandon. Oh, boy. What do you think, Kelsey? I think, I mean, I think that I I would definitely agree that I think that AAA games are the ones that benefit most from these kinds of events because like otherwise if you if it's not a AAA game you've never heard of it like why even tune in unless the you know game publisher is real big sure. um, so yeah I think I think definitely it makes sense for people to to do it this way it also brings you know I think EA or not EA boo boo I think that E three as exciting as stuff it is it is a lot at once. So it could be easy to get lost in the shuffle if something more exciting tops you. So, I mean, yeah, I I, I can see how this could be a thing. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, you know, like, yeah, I agree with everything you just said. And I feel like the more you keep your fans excited and engaged, even just the thought of a state of play is exciting, right? As soon as I heard the news that there was going to be one in my half-asleep stupor, I, like, insert it into my calendar. (laughs) And I did it incorrectly, so it currently says state if play, if play. 
because, you know, mm. like I was half asleep. But like, no, that's it. It gets me excited. It gets me thinking about it. And it keeps people engaged. And our attention spans are short. And so it's like mm. the more you have to look forward to, the better and the more hype that's built up. So, yeah, I mean, I'm all for it. I like these. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Sony's E3 press conference. It was the best mm. way to wind down, you know, the Monday and kind of like get ready for Nintendo's thing on Tuesday morning. It was always so exciting. And they were my favorite. But I understand why they're making this move. And, you know, it gets people talking about their product, I feel like, more frequently rather than mm. they save everything for E3. Yeah, I'm, you're not wrong. Thanks. I just am on the fence about it, mostly because I loved the Sony press conference, despite the fact that it was generally the longest presser of all of E3. Oh, there was just so They always did such a fantastic job with it. And I loved the food trucks outside the Coliseum beforehand, which was really fun. And, and the wine. Don't lie. Mm. I mean, Avi, duh. <laughs> um, and them being kind of like the capstone to all of the press conferences, um, you know, once Nintendo decided to do the directs was, you know, they just, they were iconic and part of E3 and I hope that they come back. I don't, I don't know if they ever will come back. I think, you know, they're probably looking at how much they're spending on these state of plays versus what they have to spend to put on the E3 press conference. And they're going, LOL, we're never doing that again. <laughs> yeah, it is a shame for, for those yeah. who get to... Like go to the event. Mm-hmm. It's, they're very fun. They are so yeah. But I think I think if a person's at home, it really won't make that much of a difference. Yeah. But no, yeah, I that's true. I think we're gonna get something on Final Fantasy VII tomorrow. Some people are oh my god, release date. I don't think so. If we're getting a release date, it's gonna be just a singular year, and even then, that year will probably be pushed back. But I would be very surprised if we don't hear about this at all tomorrow, just because of you know the, the, the Twitter account. Like, ha, huh, that's like a little cheeky thing. But when the executive tweeted something out, it's like, oh, what do you have to say about this? I don't know. I'm excited. I'm not yeah, going like, to like bet my ovary on it, but I think something's going to happen. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> what would you bet your ovaries on? Let's. <laughs> oh, man. I've made, I've made a few ovary bets in my lifetime. Oh, God. I, I don't remember the last one, but I have been known to bet on my ovaries. I think I need to maybe start a doc, and every time you bet your ovaries, I can record it for historical purposes. Yeah. Mm. Let's do it. Should be its own Twitter account. Things (laughs) I bet my ovaries on. Perfect. (laughs) I'm really into this plan. I think it's it's an excellent idea. All right. um, I will put that on my (laughs) to-do (laughs) list. All right. The Mm. final news story is... Not such a pleasant one, but one that we thought the need to address nonetheless. Uh, NetherRealm responds to accusations of exploitative workplace culture. This write-up comes from IGN. NetherRealm Studios, the developer behind the Mortal Kombat and Injustice franchises, has responded to the allegations of what one former employee referred to as predatory and abusive behavior. In a statement to Variety, the studio explained they greatly appreciate and respect all of our employees in prioritizing creating a positive work experience. As an equal opportunity employer, we encourage diversity and constantly take steps to reduce crunch time for our employees. We are actively looking into all allegations as we take these matters very seriously and are always working to improve our company environment. There are confidential ways for employees to raise any concerns or issues. The statement comes in a response to a series of allegations made by current and former employees to a variety of sources, as well as their personal Twitter accounts. The allegations consist of grievances typically brought up in the discussion around crunch culture and games, such as exceedingly long work weeks, mismanaged scheduling, and exploitative wages, as well as other discriminatory behaviors like eliminating a women's restroom due to low percentage of female employees. So 
the write-up that Variety did on Another Realm is something worth reading if you care at all about this ongoing issue in video games development. Now, we've seen quite a few of these come to light over the last 6 to 12 months, and with each passing one, they're a little bit different, and each situation is unique, and I've always held the stance that there's nothing wrong with working a lot as long as you're getting paid, but where it gets gross is when you're required to work or you're mandated to have overtime and crunch because of uh, staff shortfalls and you're not getting compensated fairly for it. So that's one part of the article about what's happening at NetherRealm. The thing that really made me upset and quite disappointed because I've really enjoyed the games that NetherRealm has made and all of the employees that I've had the privilege of interviewing over my career have been fantastic and wonderful and have never intimated to me that this kind of thing was going on was the sexual harassment allegations. Um, the, some of the things that female employees said, and I think what's, you know, to me different about the variety reporting that we've seen is that they have a lot of named sources versus anonymous sources, which we typically get with when we get these crunch stories. Um, not to say that those anonymous sources are not real, but I think it lends a little bit of credibility to Variety's reporting when they can get people who will go on the record and say, this is what happened to me. Um, and I think it's really powerful and really important that those voices are heard. And I hope that you know, Ed Boone and the rest of the management at NetherRealm does their due diligence to look into these allegations seriously and make sure that they address them because that's gross and bad. Hmm. Yeah. 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 As painful as it is to hear about so many different um, companies that you respect having these practices internally, I think it's it's a testament to gaming that, you know, that people are trying to speak out and, and make things better. Uh in more frequency now than ever before. So it's hard to hear, but I think it's probably in, in, uh, in the long haul, probably good for, for the, for the squad. Yeah, absolutely. And what we were talking about, you know, before we went live today, when we were looking over the rundown of some of the stories was that, you know, it's interesting how each individual's employee's experience can be wildly different than the next. You know, we're, we chose specifically not to talk about the the riot walkout um, this week because it just would require a lot more research than, frankly, we had time to do. And so we thought it best if we just abstained from discussing it. But the idea that, you know, one person's experience, whether they work at Riot or Telltale or NetherRealm or Rockstar or wherever – um, can be wildly different, you know, is something that I think is important to remember. Because, you know, I've had people reach out to me from some of these companies that feel really conflicted because they're like, hey, I like working at X company and I don't know what to do about this and I don't know how to feel about it. When, you know, a girl that I work with comes to me and tells me that this is the treatment she's getting, you know, it's tough because we as humans tend to blanket statement and umbrella statement things a lot and getting into the nuance and the the kind of the gray area of these really tough topics is something that a lot of us just don't spend the time to do. And we're as guilty of it as anybody else. But anyway, that's all I have to say about that. I hope they fix it. Fix it. Realm. Make it better. For God's sake, give do better a bathroom. <laughs> yeah, we need the bathroom. A voice space. actor shouldn't have to complain about the bathroom situation or you for to fix your fucking bathroom situation. That's terrible. Everyone should have bathrooms. Yeah. Right? I mean, like... Just make sh- all bathrooms gender neutral. Boom. Problem Boom. solved. Boom. There you go. Boom shakalaka. Um, 
We also have one more piece of news, you know. <gasps> Oh sorry. my gosh! Oh no! Don't Wait. get ex- don't ex- don't get excited. I, I'm sorry. No, that I I'm written- getting excited about the puppy. Oh, the puppy! <laughs> I'm sorry. He wanted puppy. to come say hi. Oh, hello! Hi, oh this my is- gosh! Your puppy is so cute. What's your puppy's name? His name's Chewbacca. Oh, yes. hello, YouTube.com/slash. What's good beans? <laughs> you need to see this dog. Oh my god! Hello, oh vicious wolf. Oh, so ferocious. You do good. You protect. Is that a, isn't is that, that just a lab- the way it is with pets? Is they just want to be near you. Golden noodle. Yeah. Mini. Yeah. Oh, yes. so cute. <laughs> um, We're all just staring at the yeah, puppy. Sorry. Now. No, I'm sorry to distract. <laughs> We're staring at the dog. He, like he was like pawing at me. Oh. Um. Anyway, the the now the, the stupid news now that you know that there's been a dog on the camera. It's it's fine. It's fine. I was gonna say Sonic's getting a makeover. Just an update. Mm. You know, oh. to all the Sonic things we've been talking about. We've been talking about how he's terrifying looking and how we all probably need to be a little drunk before we go see him. But now we might not need to because he's getting a done deal makeover, which is kind of conflicting because, it's yeah. you know, it, it's you don't want. I mean, they're not so, for my part. They haven't pushed back the date of this movie, which tells you that there's an fuck ton of work now that needs to go into redesigning him for these scenes and i don't know how all of that works yeah you know what i mean yeah. it's like yikes but you know maybe uh just kind of you know be in tune with the fans of the movie you're making from the get-go and listen to people when they tell you hey you might want to rethink this or reconsider this yeah i mean yeah i think it's <laughs> i don't I, I think it's really weird to hear because like on one hand you're like good but on the other hand you're like is the so is the company that made these choices anyway to to not you know make a movie for the fans in spite of the fact of they're making a sonic movie like i don't know why you would buy the rights to make you know or why would you why would you want to make a a movie that is for a fandom except for to make it so that the fans will come and make money that way uh but then i feel like they're just like the company's like okay we're fixing it and then putting that on their employees. Oh, yeah. like, you're like, that's terrible. That's, talking you, about you, you did wrong twice. Yeah, talking about crunch and you know, and I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I don't know. I'm not pretending like I know like for sure evidence that this yeah. is what's happening, but I can only imagine that like the work the workload's gonna be real. And it's kind of it's kind of fascinating to think about. You know, we live in an era where public outcry on a social media platform Mm -hmm. can cause such a big change and shift in media like that right it's i think we've known that that's all that's kind of how it's been all along but to see it actually come to fruition like that um for something like a film like this you know is is kind of crazy yeah i think it's both very cool and very scary yes yeah i was looking up a tweet from Corey Barlog about this because he he tweeted and I was trying to get the exact tweet so I wasn't paraphrasing here but essentially um, his his thought on it was that I have it I'm oh, ready do? yeah okay you, said, you read it okay in my best Corey Barlog voice really don't <laughs> know how I feel about creating in this kind of world Important to keep the pulse of the audience, but this makes it harder to try something really different that, at first, may seem like too much change, but on completion might surprise us. And that's a good point. I think there was a bunch of people using Toon Link as an example. 
of how when Toon Link was first introduced, people rioted and revolted. And we're like, what is this abomination of I a Link? I still will riot and I still will revolt <laughs> if another Toon Link is the next fucking Switch Zelda game. Just saying it right now. But no, like, listen, yeah, like, I, I could totally talk to that. Because, yeah, when Wind Waker was announced in a cel-shaded Link, I was like, what is this crazy-looking character? This is not the, the, the Link I know from Ocarina of Time. Where's my hot blonde guy? And, uh, yeah, th- thank you, Kelsey. I saw that. You're like, whatever. That's- yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> no, I was so agreeing. I, I was like, A, I liked the hot blonde guy too, but B, I actually loved Toon Link because yeah, well, I like tunes. <laughs> well, there you go. But no, like yeah. going back into it, yeah, you know, I was a dumb kid and I was like, oh, this is going to be a terrible game. And I never played it. I put it off. But then I went back to it as an, as an adult, maybe just like, I don't know how many years later. And I loved it. It's a great game, mm-hmm. but so I was cute. turned off by it. And so that's like a perfect example of, you know, Maybe, I mean, granted, I still think the Sonic is terrifying, the original Sonic. It looks like I mean, a high school mascot in a really bad costume. But the hey. The teeth are bad. The teeth. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, the human the human teeth. The um, human I, teeth. you know, when we, in the ghost episode, it's <laughs> lost to the ether. Um, you know, we, Simer pulled up an article that showed a fan rendering of what that mm. Sonic could potentially look like if they fix it. And... <coughs> excuse me, it definitely looked a lot better. But at the same time, I understand and appreciate Corey's position of reminding mm-hmm. us like, hey, it's weird because it's new and weird, but maybe it'll be cool. Or maybe it'll just stay weird. Yeah. It's hard to tell, you know? You didn't see that that Sonic next to a human being, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it looks good in that photo, but I don't know, like him walking and talking around. I told How it fit in. I told Andrea I in one of our older episodes, if there's a butt shot, like if he has like glutes like a human, I'm out. Like I can't <laughs> I can't handle it. That would just be too much. Oh, too weird. My brain real. didn't need that. Right? No, no, it has it in, in it. In it. Listen, I'm definitely thinking of blue furry butt now yeah. too. <laughs> if I and have oh, ladies and gentlemen no. at home are too. If I have to everybody's suffer, thinking about you Sonic Butt. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I do that to my friends a lot too, so it's fine. <laughs> Sorry, not sorry, she says. All right, and on that note, we'll let you savor that for a minute. We're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Stick with us, everybody. We'll see you in a minute. Welcome back, everybody. It is segment two of the What's Good Games podcast. This is where we talk about what we've been playing. And this week, hands-on impressions are brought to you by Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. While other brokerages charge you up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data, and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio. Discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving the listeners of What's Good Games, a video game podcast, that's us, a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. If you want your free stock, you've got to sign up at whatsgood.robinhood.com. 
Robinhood.com. Get your free stock today at whatsgood.robinhood.com. I actually haven't checked my portfolio lately. Maybe I'll log in really quick and see how I'm doing. Um, the free stock that I got was a Groupon stock. And I was like, maybe I should start buying more Groupon stuff to help the company out. But I haven't actually done that. <laughs> <laughs> and the story ended. Ooh, my portfolio is up 0.6% today. Hey, girl. Congratulations. Yeah. Hey, thanks. <laughs> I've only got a couple hundred dollars in there, but hey, it's kind of fun to play around with, especially if you don't know anything about stocks like me. Um, it's kind of nice to kind of browse around and feel like you're like the wolf of Wall Street, but not really. <laughs> Have your moment, girl. Have your moment. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Brittany. Got you. Okay. Chewie's like, I want my moment too. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Chewie will get his moment. Let's talk about what we've been playing. Brittany. Oy. Last week on the ghost episode, you spoke at length about Days Gone, and we didn't get a chance to go over it because we talked all about Borderlands 3, so you are still playing Days Gone. I am, and thankfully, the audio issue I was having is gone. It's Oh, hooray! It's That's done. great news! Yeah, I don't know if it was patch 1.06 or patch 1.07, but either way, my audio doesn't cut out anymore when I'm on the motorcycle, and that's fantastic. But, I mean... Honestly, I'm having a wonderful time with this game. I am really invested in it every time I hop into it. You know, I get it's interesting because, you, you know, in video games, you die. Like, you just die a lot. That's, that's, that's what happens. I mean, not a lot, but, you know, chances are you're going to die at some point or another. But I am so nervous about dying in this game from the freakers. So I've been shot to death. <laughs> I've ran my motorcycle into a big rock and splattered everywhere, and I've died. <laughs> But the minute I see those freakers, I just, I, I like, I get so nervous. I like start kicking my feet around and squealing because I just ran into a horde the other day. And, and wait, my, you haven't gotten taken down by a horde yet? No, I'm so oh, careful. Girl, you got to experience it. It's oh, terrifying. Today, I finally led my first horde into a, a marauder camp and they completely took oh, down everything. You. And it was so exciting. But no, I've seen the hordes. I just kind of like watch them from a distance. And what I'm trying to say is I really immerse myself into this game to where it's like, I feel like I am Deacon. I play him the way I would play if I were in this post-apocalypse. So, so Kelsey, I'm a zombie fanatic. I love zombies. I love all that kind of shit. And so when I'm playing this game, it's like, I'll like stop on a ridge and I'll look over and I'll see the horde. I'm like, okay, so I'm just going to kind of go the other way. But <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fuck with that. But today I saw a, a marauder camp and I saw a horde and I was like, oh, I know what to do with this. So I threw an attractor um, into the camp and they just came and just killed everyone and they tried to come after me. And that's when I hightailed it out of there. But so it's like, I'll like position my bike in the perfect little direction. So I'm ready to take off on a moment's notice. Anytime I stop somewhere, I make sure I have a clear path out. Cause I drive like a maniac on that thing, but I'm, I'm really having a good time with it. Um, I don't know how to gauge how far I am into the story. I'm imagining I'm still not that far. I'm taking on every mission that comes my way. Um, is it that I remember, is that the main story? Do you know? So that's part of the storyline system. The way that they Sony Ben developed the storylines in Days Gone, there really isn't like, like a, a true blue quote, main yeah. line. Um, they all really interweave together, which I thought was a really interesting and kind of cool narrative choice. It does mean that you can't golden path the game, which is, was one of our complaints when the game first came out, was that they said the golden path was 30 hours and we're like yeah but there's no way to just do the golden path you have to do all these side content which 
is not a bad thing because most of the side missions, with the exception of a couple of egregious ones where you go and see Boozer and he's like says one line to you and then the mission's over, um, is pretty good. I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it because I've been wanting to go back to it, but I've waited because I was be I was just getting plagued by bugs. Mm-hmm. I was just I was like, you know what? They're gonna patch a bunch of this stuff. So why don't I just hold off and I can play some other stuff and focus on that and I'll come back to it. So maybe now I'll, I'll, I'll boot it back up. And I can talk to you offline about where you're at. I don't want to spoil it for anybody by right. being like, have you hit this part yet? <laughs> <laughs> no. And so, no, yeah, please don't because I don't want anything to be spoiled. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, I, I'm, it's, it's a smooth experience for me now. I'm not coming across any crazy bugs or anything like that. And I love the cutscenes. I really like the characters. I like seeing where the story is going. You know, I am juggling quite a few games right now. So it's the kind it's so I get to play Days Gone, maybe like three hours here, three hours there, and then that's it. I am today I had my first pang of do I have to do these camps right now? Because I just kind of want to do the main story. Um or the main story, whatever that even means at this point, right? But it's, you know, like one of the camps will call you be like, hey, there's this guy I need you to go rescue. or Like a bounty. Like a bounty, yeah. And um, those are fine. You know, there's just not a lot of meat and girth uh, to them. Uh, that was like the first pang I had of, because I know something that's been in the back of my mind is when Steimer said, you know, you're not at a point yet where you kind of get annoyed by the repetitiveness of it all. And that's something I've heard from a lot of people who are a lot farther than I am that it does get pretty repetitive. But so far, you know, I don't know if it's because I'm only putting in a few hours at a time or if I'm just not at that point yet. But either way, I'm excited to always to pick it up and play it. And I'm and I'm sad when I have to stop playing it. So I'm I'm really I'm having a great time with it. And I'm sad that it sounds like a lot of people didn't. But hey, well, personal but a lot of people, are but a, a lot of people did too. They announced this week that it was the number three selling PlayStation exclusive game in Japan, behind Spider Man, PS4, and Uncharted Four. So, oh yeah, and clearly I think it made top chart in the UK too. I think I read that. Yeah, yeah, and that's also kind of interesting. Is I feel like when the game came out, a lot of people were disappointed by it, and we talked about this coming in the wake of Spider Man and God of War. You know, you have a lot to live up to. Obviously, Ben's a different studio, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the the, the comments we're seeing on our What's Good Games fan page and even stuff on Twitter is everyone's like, yeah, it has its issues, but this is still a really fun game. And I think, uh, you know, it's our job as cr- critical opinions of the media, video game industry, whatever, to talk about, you know, the issues a game has. And I understand that. But I think sometimes that might overshadow the good parts of a game when it's you know you have to talk about the bad parts and when you talk about the bad parts it's kind of hard to also highlight the good parts and so it's just interesting to see you know i feel like the gaming population at large saying how much they really enjoy it when a lot of my friends who work in the industry who are media you know they say how much they really didn't enjoy it it's just interesting kelsey do you have any desire to play days gone i'm curious yeah uh, it's just, you know, it depends on the game, but I like zombies in Yikes. media and I played, uh, at E3 last year, I played, uh, which one was it? I played a zombie game that was multiplayer and it's, I'm blanking now. World War Z? It, was. it wasn't World War Z. H1Z1? Like, no, I think it was Walking Dead. Oh, just, Overkill's The Walking Dead? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I played that and it was oh, and that so game's much gone now. fun. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that I'm like, maybe I should look more into zombie games. Uh, But I'm curious. I'm definitely curious about it. Um, 
just there's always there's always so many games to play. Oh and yeah, I'm always so bad at finishing games that I'm like so behind on all games all the time. <laughs> it's yep. okay. We all have our own pile of shame. Yeah, it's, it's something we collectively, as a gaming community, all all have. Yeah. A- yeah. Anybody who doesn't have a pile of shame, I call them a liar. Yeah, be like, <laughs> don't believe you. Nope. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're having fun, Britt. That's important. Um, you don't have to apologize for having a good time in a game. I'm glad to hear that they are fixing stuff. I think that was probably um, a problem of unique to us was that you know we got the game pre-release, yeah. and even from when we first got the the pre-release code to when the game launched, they put out five different patches over that like two week period, and so Crazy. the game was continually getting uh, worked on, and that is always problematic, you know, when we're going to be giving our impressions right at launch. So I'm looking forward to going back. Like I said, like the story is just starting to hook me now, even though I'm like 25 hours in, <sighs> and Greg has said that it's like a 50 hour game, and I'm like, ooh, God, got a ways to go, but. I think that, you know, once I can make a little bit more progress and if I'm not plagued by the bugs I kept running into, I think it'll be more fun. But um, speaking of a lot of games to play, Kelsey, your list is long. Where would you like to start here? Yeah, I play I, – I don't play a lot of like – like I, I jump in and out of games a lot. I don't always stick to one. I think, uh, I think I'm most excited about – I've been really into Dead by Daylight, right? now and i just recently got one of my friends into it and he's like in like i think i just like introduced a friend to an addiction <laughs> oh nice <laughs> we'll always have somebody to play with then i guess yeah yeah it's been fun unfortunately we haven't gotten to link up yet because my pc just uh, crapped out on sunday the day i was finally like we're linking up today we were both in discord like it was going down and then my and then my pc was like i don't want to work ever again so this is the the four v one, right? I'm looking at it. I'm mm-hmm. trying to remember. Okay, yeah, where one someone's the killer and the other four players. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, uh, it's pretty cool. They come out with new uh, like DLC and new killers all the time, which is very fun. They just did like an Ash versus the Evil Dead uh, event thingy uh, DLC that was really cool. Uh, got Ash because I'm a big uh, fan of him, but unfortunately he's. He's quite big and clunky for me, so I was like, <laughs> I was all of a sudden like sucking as Ash. I was like, I gotta go back to my lithe girls. Uh, I can't, I can't do this. I get killed too much often. But it's super fun. It's like low impact, which I like, you know. Uh, and uh, it keeps it keeps me hooked. It keeps it keeps it fun, fresh. I, I recently started doing the. Uh, more of the killer. I'm normally the killer would always give me anxiety, like performance anxiety. When you're part of a four person team, you're like, oh, well, if I mess up, there's three more people. It's yeah, fine. But you mess <laughs> up as a killer, like everyone's just walking all over you. So do you get to choose if you play as the killer? Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, you can choose uh, survivor or killer. Uh, but I recently finally linked up with a killer that you know we just like understand <laughs> each other, and I'm like, ah, oh, I found my main. It's amazing. <laughs> I call him Invisalad. He's got like a cloak of invisibility like Harry Potter. Nice. But he kills people. So I love surprising people with my presence. They'll be like right there and I'll be like, ah, I came here to kill you now. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's what, I've, that's what I've been into. And as always, you know, The Sims. Very exciting stuff. Hope we're hearing that we're going to get a lot of new content very soon over the past next like six months, I think. So, yeah. always well, cool stuff. You shall yeah, love. it's about time for them to do another mainline installment because. Mm. 
you know, we've got E3 coming up and EA Play has always had a big uh, Sims area. Um, yeah. I know they had um, Baby Ariel last year doing stuff in the Sims corner at EA Play when I was there, which is kind of fun. Um, so, I mean, if you could pick, you know, kind of some features that you would want in the next Sims, what would you pick? <sighs> so it's like Sims 5? Yeah, like the Sims 5. <sighs> Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people would like to see the return of like a lot of things about that they loved about Sims Three. Uh, I loved Sim, I love Sims Four personally, which like a lot of people are like Sims Three was better, but I hated how slow Sims Three was. Like I just couldn't play the game half the time because there's just so much. So it really did need a, a spruce up. But I think that, yeah, I think more customization and create a Sim would be really awesome for a Sims Five. Uh, but yeah, I don't even know. I haven't even like thought about it. It would be cool to just like have more control over over like skin tones and hair color and because you only get your swatches in uh, mm-hmm. Instance Four, but yeah, I think I don't know. Do I'm, you want you know, we more shelves? Love university, more shelves. Exactly. I think yeah. I think it's exciting to have like more like simple uh, simple designs for the houses. I know now the next thing is I, I saw a simmer that I really like calling out for like a plain modern white door it's like so specific but when you're building these little touches really make the difference in the in the home building so it's it's fun it's a fun you spend a lot of time in in those worlds with the characters Mm -hmm. and your in your house and like the whole idea is that you're supposed to be making it as customized to you as possible so i i think that those are pretty easy asks Yeah, yeah. I think it's just, like, prioritization, you know? They've got their people working on, like, the next big thing that, like, a door isn't quite, like, top of list. (laughs) But I would also argue, you know, like, maybe that door is really important to to the gamers out here wanting to build their perfect homes. (laughs) Um, So how fluent are you in Simlish? Oh, not at all. I I know, like, three words. I know, like, dag, dag. And there's, uh, there was one, I started playing, like, the, a lot of the vampire stuff recently, and there's, like, this one saying that my vampire says when she's, like, gonna turn into a a bat that's really funny, but I forget it now that I'm talking about it, but she just says this, like, she's like, cut up a and it's, like, this funny thing (laughs) that, like, always cracks me up. But, yeah, dag dag, and, uh, there's, like, a goodbye one that I hear a lot. I think it's sul sul, that's about all I got. Hey, it's more than pretty I much, got. Pretty yeah. much about the same as like any other language I've ever heard. It's like I can say hi and bye. And that's like. Hey. And now maybe thank you, need... you or where's the bathroom? And that's what I was just going to say, Andrea. Now all you need to know is like where's the toilet and you can get by. You're fine. Yeah. It's Sims have a sixth sense for the toilet. They don't have to ask other Sims where it is. They're oh. just like, ah, a toilet. I know where it is. And that's the beautiful, beauty of the Sims. They always know where everything is. They go straight to it. It's hive mind. They just yeah. tell each other. <laughs> they just download the information of the location they're in immediately. Yeah, Steimer used to stream a lot of The Sims, and when I would watch her streams, um, it, I think the thing that's great about The Sims is that it allows you to take frequent breaks from gameplay since the gameplay isn't doesn't have a lot of sense of urgency to mm. be able to interact with chat and things like that. Do you find it's a, a relatively easy game for you when you're streaming? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's a big thing about streaming is like finding the right game that you can balance chat with. Uh, and Sims is definitely one that's so easy to kind of keep an eye on both because 
you know, beyond your sim just going on fire, there's not a big thing that you're like, my sim might die if I look away for two seconds. Whereas, like, if I'm playing, you know, Battle Royale, I'm like, bye, chat. See you in the end. See you on the other side, my friends. (laughs) It's an honor. Um, But yeah, a DVD is a similar thing where, like, I feel like I cannot look at chat while I'm in DVD. Like, I gotta be watching my back, you know, for the killer. Uh, and Overwatch, similarly, it's it's hard. So it's a good one to kind of circle in. Uh, and also other things that are more story-based that aren't as urgent, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I hear you about the, the multiplayer games. And that's why I, I honestly don't stream very much because I enjoy those fast-paced games or story-based games so much that I find the streaming environment to be um, disruptive isn't the right word. I feel like I'm just constantly ignoring chat unintentionally mm. because I get so involved with what's happening on screen. And also my gamer face is terrible. Oh, no, yeah. No, it's a good gamer face. It's just really <laughs> intense. Like, it scares people. It's just it's fucking <laughs> shooting, like, lasers out of those eyeballs. That's amazing. I, I, you know, I try not to look at what mine is. I don't want to know. That's okay. I'm sure mine's, like, slack-jawed, mouth open, flies buzzing around. It's not pretty. <laughs> A little bit of drool coming down. A little drool out. coming down. It's lovely. Uh, nice. Um, well, I have been um, playing... A bunch of different things. Um, I finally have got to the final boss battle of Diablo 3 Eternal Collection. So believe it or not, I never actually finished Diablo 3 when it first launched way back when. Um, I just, I think I just got busy with other stuff and I was like, this game is so long. Um, and I just never got around to it, but I've been just chipping away at it on these flights that I've been on. (laughs) And so I finally got to the final battle and I was like, you know what? I've played the entirety of Diablo 3 Eternal Collection on Nintendo Switch on handheld mode. I was like, you know what? I want to see my Demon Hunter in her full glory. I'm going to I'm going to dock my Switch and play the final boss battle on the 65-inch TV um, and see what it looks like. So I've been saving that, so I'll report back. But I have been playing it on normal mode, I believe, and it's mm. just been way too easy. Yeah. So I think I have to go back and play on a higher difficulty setting now that I have a full understanding of like how the gems work and the gear and all that um, and really maybe try a different class or something like that. But um, the game that I'm really excited to talk about that I talked about in the ghost episode <laughs> is uh, Mortal Kombat 11. So as you guys know, I'm a gigantic Mortal Kombat fan, um, and Mortal Kombat 2 is in my top 10 games of all time. I have been a fan of the franchise uh, since the early days, and I have really enjoyed what Netherrealm has done with the campaign in particular, and so I haven't messed around with the crypt or the towers yet. I know that they've addressed those concerns about the egregiousness of what's happening there with the in-game currencies, but I can't speak to that because I haven't tried it out yet, so just... Uh, just so you guys know, I'm speaking specifically about the story campaign, and it is awesome. It's like a love letter to Mortal Kombat fans, and if you have never even played previous Mortal Kombat games, but you loved the 90s Mortal Kombat movie, I think that you would really enjoy this campaign. <laughs> is it? Does it get like cuckoo bananas crazy? Can I just like hop into it, or am I going to not know what the hell is going on? You could absolutely just hop into it. So they have five difficulty levels. Very easy. Easy. That's mine. Normal. Very easy. Let's go. Hard <laughs> and very hard. <laughs> yeah. See so, me in that camp. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I started on normal, and the AI kicked my ass. And I was like, you know what? I'm here to experience the story. I can, you know, when I get to the towers, I'll deal with this difficult AI. So I dropped it down to easy, um, and it made my life a whole whole bunch better. But before I got to the campaign, uh, Tim Geddes had talked to me about it on the Gamescast, and I recommended to spend some time in the dojo in the tutorials. And it is a really amazing, robust tutorial system that they have built in. Just the basic tutorial uh, brings you through all of the moves that you'll need to know, and you unlock coins and time crystals by playing through the tutorials and they have several different kinds they have combo tutorials defensive posture tutorials um advanced combo tutorials like um how to use different characters you can do a specific character tutorial if you're like i always want to play with raiden you know you can learn all of his combos and things like that um which you know isn't going to help you for the campaign because they switch up who you play with quite often but i thought the defensive tutorial in particular was really helpful because man the ai comes at you hard in a lot of these fights especially in the latter half of the campaign so highly recommend you guys spend a little time even if you think that you're great at fighting games the speed and the pacing of mortal Kombat is a lot slower than other fighting games and i found it incredibly useful so back to the campaign i know when they first announced it this whole concept of chronica and her being able to manipulate time and her being the big bad enemy and you know, trying to go after Raiden after, for what he did to Shinnok. It was kind of confusing. Even for someone like me who knows all of these characters, I was like, what the heck is happening? Are they going to use this as one big piece of, you know, narrative suspension of disbelief by saying that she could just move time around? But they pull it off in a way that I was pretty happy with. It does get a little wild in certain areas where you're like, that's, that's crazy and supernatural in a way that I don't know how I feel. But it all co- ties back together and makes sense in the end. And was really happy with the arc overall and how much time you got to spend with some classic characters. I've never really been a fan of Johnny Cage and Sonya Blade, but um, they were pretty fun in this game, though I have to say. Disappointed in Ronda Rousey as Sonya Blade. I was like, you know what? Her inexperience as a voice actor is very clear next to the fantastic voice work done by literally every other character in the game. Ah. Mm. So I understand from a PR perspective why Warner Brothers would want to work with someone, someone like her because, you know, they're like, oh, look at, you know, WWE fighter and former, you know, um, MMA fighter, you know, Ronda Rousey in the game. And, you know, a lot of people forget that she's also a former Olympian, but she's done some kind of not cool stuff in her past as well that I was made aware of. And so the more I dug into it, the more I was like, oh, gosh, she was just a bad choice all around. Mm. But thankfully, um, she doesn't taint it so that it makes it unplayable because there's so many other great characters um, in the game. But I really loved it. The balance between fighting and cutscenes I thought was great. Actually, there's a fair amount of cutscenes to the point that John would be watching me play and he'd be like, is this all cutscene? Are you doing any of this? And I'm like, no, man. I'm just, I put the controller down and take, having a sip of wine, just watching it all play out. I was into it. I love really well done cutscenes. 
see, that's why I'm interested is I, I mean, you know, I played one of the, well, the first time I played Mortal Kombat was on Super Nintendo. And the last time I played it was with you at the preview event. And that was the first time since Super Nintendo I had played. So I was very wow. rusty. I was, did not realize that. But <laughs> oh yeah, girl. Oh yeah. But I'm really interested because I've always liked Mortal Kombat. But I've never obviously been playing it, but I like watching the cutscenes. I like watching people play it. And the fact that this one has like nice, like it sounds like cutscenes and lengthy story to it, that's kind of where I'm like, okay. I just want to experience that because I feel like Mortal Kombat has this fun energy about it that I'm just drawn to. And if I can knock that bitch down to like very easy mode and kick ass and perform fatalities with like four buttons, that's my kind of fighting game. And then I get a good story with it. Like that sounds great. Yeah, I'm sold. Yeah, right? Right? Yeah. I'm sold by that. It's great. Like, if if you play this game, if nothing else, just for the campaign, I think it's worth it. Um, And it's not too long of a campaign. I think it's like six to eight hours. Obviously, if you're playing it on very easy, you might be able to do it um, um, quicker, depending on, you know, how many fights you have to redo because you failed. I failed several of them before I finally knocked it down to easy mode. (laughs) And I had to knock the the final boss fight down to very easy because... Oh, shit. Um, I don't want to spoil it, so I won't say, like, why, but there was some pretty, like, bullshit mechanics that they employed in the final boss fight that I was like, this is stupid and I'm mad. Like, controller throwing mad. (laughs) But I had no no shame in dropping it down to very easy just to finish off the campaign. I was like, fine, I'll do it. I don't care. (laughs) What was worse, final boss Mortal Kombat or Valkyrie Queen in God of War? Oh, Valkyrie Queen for sure. Yeah. More difficult. Okay. Because I actually was able to finish Mortal Kombat. I still have not beat the Valkyrie Queen. <laughs> That's right. God of War. It's yeah. the one thing left that I have to do, and I've just never gone back. I bet if I picked it up now and went back, maybe all it needed was a, like some time. Yeah, but I, yeah. I forgot all the all the things that Kratos does, though. But yeah, no, she's probably the most difficult boss fight I've ever done. But that's me speaking as somebody who doesn't play any of the Souls or the oh, yeah. or the Bloodborne game, so um, obviously they're known for their tough boss fights. But um, yeah, no Valkyrie Queen, she's she's a monster. Yeah. Corey, you're an animal. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was a great, um, like I said, a love letter to Mortal Kombat fans. You get to see a lot of classic characters: Scorpion, Sub Zero, Jax, Raiden, Liu Kang, Kung Lao, um, Chao Kahn. Um, we get to see Katana. The one thing I wanted to see that we didn't get to see was um, Sindel. I'm hoping that they'll maybe bring her on as DLC at some point. Narratively, it doesn't really make sense for her to bring her into the story, so I get why they didn't do it, but it doesn't mean that I didn't want to see her. I was like, oh, Yeah, but my girl Devora looking fierce in her... <laughs> Her tweaking. She's, of course, the bug lady who spits bugs. I thought you were going to say twerking. I was like, nice. Oh, um, maybe. No. No, she just, she's so gross in a way that I love. Like, she, like, oh. spins people up in a web, and then she'll, like, spew acid at them, and she'll, like, vomit, like, maggots into their mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's intense. <laughs> That's amazing. Mortal Kombat. Oh, I'm looking at so. pictures of her right now. Yeah, I, I don't know if I want to see. Hey, hey. You twerk, girl. You twerk and get those maggots. Oh my god! Some of these screenshots are disgusting. I'm telling you, Fucking but it's amazing. um, she's she's a really fun character to play with. So um, all right, Brittany, you want to talk about Outward? Yeah, I'll make it brief. Um, because I want to talk about it at length, probably in one of the upcoming episodes. But this is such a special game. So Outward came out oh not that long ago. 
Um, it's on PS4, Xbox One, and on PC. It's made by Nine Dot Studios, and this is probably the most fun I've had with a co-op game in a very, very long time. It's just a really special game. Small studio, I think like nine or ten people, and you can tell the heart that went into this game. And I talked about it a few episodes ago, but essentially, that you it's you and your you can play by yourself, but I would highly recommend you play co-op. It supports online or split screen. Um, and they just throw you into this world and there's a story that goes with it, but there's like almost like no tutorial at all. And they're like, okay, go figure it out. Just go do the thing, make this game what you want to make it. So Jason and I started playing it. We did the first mission and then we probably spent about 20 hours just exploring, finding random dungeon crawls, finding random loot, doing all these random lever dungeons. And then we decided, okay, maybe now we'll continue the story of the actual game. It's just this big world, and there's all these different regions, and it is a survival game, so you have to manage your thirst and your hunger, but it never feels annoying. It never feels hindering, and you really just have to kind of start from zero and work your way up, and that's what we've been doing, and it's just kind of the thing we do every night, and it, it, is, a, it is buggy. It's not broken. Uh, I will say one time Jason spawned into the wall, and I wasn't able to resurrect him, so we had, he had to like quit the game and come back in. But it's, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain. It's the kind of game where its little bugs and quirks almost make it all the more charming. It doesn't take away from this experience. Now, as like a critic, you know, I I can't say this game is the most polished experience I've ever experienced, you know. But as just like a fan, I'm able just to sit down and just really lose myself in it. And we just both look forward to playing this every night. And it's just a really special game. And I would highly recommend if you have someone in your life that you want to play co-op games with check it out. It's like I said, you know, it does have some of its issues and there is a little bit of a learning curve, but it's nothing crazy. But that's part of the fun is you get to figure it out together and you get to work on it together. You get to do all of the missions together. You know, you can swap loot back and forth and it's it's really neat. So, yeah. That so a wonderful can game. you I'm watching some gameplay um, right now. Can you just explain kind of what this game is? Yeah, so the best way to explain it, because I've never played a game like this before, so it's kind of a new thing for me. It's a survival game, like I said. So you have hunger, heat, thirst. Um, you know, you have uh, you know a backpack that can only carry so much at a time. You do have a house where you can drop stuff off if you have you know if you have too much room or too, if you run out of room. So you kind of have to manage all that. Um, but like I said, they literally just throw you in this big you know i guess sandbox open world whatever you want to call it and there's about three or four different regions that we've come across so far and each one takes 15 hours 10 10 to 15 hours maybe to explore depending on what you want to do you can bypass all of this and you have a few missions like the first mission is get enough gold so you can basically pay off your house and if you don't get enough gold to pay off your house, your house is taken away from you. And then I don't know what the hell you're supposed to do. But we found the gold. And we we found a way to make money in this game. It's like, okay, so we're going to go to this bandit camp, for example. And we're so weak that we can only kill about one or two bandits at a time. But whenever we kill them, they'll drop armor. So we, we'll go to this bandit camp. We'll kill them. And then we have to haul all the armor back, sell it to buy like one or two pieces of better equipment, go back, rinse, wash, repeat. And the enemies don't spawn after they're killed. So they just stay dead. So it's really limited resources, and it's kind. It's kind of. I can't. It has RPG elements. Yes. If is yeah, the, the gameplay looks very Elder Scrolls e, like third person, high fantasy. Um, looks like there's mostly uh, melee weapons or magical abilities, right? So like, there's no guns, right? No, there are guns. 
You there are. You can get guns. Yeah. So the way the combat works is you can have single handed, you can have double, you can have sword shield. If you want to get magic, you have to figure out how you get magic. So there's no experience points in this game and there's really no abilities that you just naturally learn. You have to find out, the, find the trainers in all the towns and then you have to pay for the skills that you want to use. And if you want to be a mage, you have to figure out where you can even learn magic in the first place. And then once you do learn magic, it's not as simple as pushing a button and casting a spell. You know, there's a lot that goes into it but it's i'm not trying to make it sound grindy because it doesn't feel grindy it's very rewarding and it's very fun especially when you're experiencing it with another person um so yeah. their website says outward is an open world rpg where the cold of night or an infected wound can be as dangerous as a predator lurking in the dark explore the vast world of Orai, embark on memorial adventures memorable Memorable. Memorable. That's the word. Adventures alone or with your friends or whatever you do, don't forget your backpack. Oh, yeah. Outward offers an immersive RPG experience coupled with survival mechanics as well as deeply rewarding challenges for the most avid gamers. Yeah. It's not your typical RPG. So I wanted, like, there's no experience points. It's not like you have, you go to point A and it's like, okay, here's 15 quests. Now we're going to mark on your map where you go. Like, there's no... There's a map, but there's no directional navigation. You just have to like look at landmarks around you and figure out where you have to go. But yeah, I love it. It's it's uh, yeah, it's a very special game. You can tell a lot of heart went into it. Obviously, not the most polished thing because there are a lot of bugs. Like for example, whenever Jason plays and there's um, enemies that we've killed in the past, they all like levitate to the sky and they come back down. <laughs> they like levitate to the sky and they come back down. It's just like a silly thing. But we're like, haha, that's cute. You know, I feel um, like any open world game has that kind of stuff happen in it, though. Have you met a game called Skyrim? Um, yes. <laughs> right? Yes, I have. Right. Yeah. So, again, like, just I would really recommend, you know, we, we're at a point where we don't even want to look up guides. We don't want to look at where we're supposed to go, what we're supposed to do. We don't want to know how to do things. We want to figure it out on our, on our own because it's just that kind of game. So, yes. Outward. Check it out. This definitely feels like a very Britney game. Oh, hell yeah. It's so good. <laughs> well i'm glad that you're having fun with a bunch of games that's awesome um i'm looking forward to um hearing more about your adventures um in outward um soon but for now we're gonna take a short break and when we come back we're gonna talk to kelsey about the 100 baby challenge what she oh does boy. at buzzfeed blue and so much more stick with us everybody we'll be right back Welcome back, everybody. It is the final segment of the What's Good Games podcast, and we are talking with Kelsey Impeachkit. No, I got it. No, Impeachkit. Impeachkit. Fuck. <laughs> you know that pronunciation's brand new to me. Impeachkit. Impeachkit. Yeah. You are right on the cusp, though. I got the impeach part down, and then it's a kk part. Sorry. Yeah, you have to do what you have to do with the Italian hands. Impeach KK. Impeach KK. Yeah, the the CH makes a hard K sound in Italian. Ah. Impeach KK. There you go. Now we've all learned a lesson about how to pronounce Italian words today. Um, there it is. <laughs> thank you so much. The more you know, Rainbow inserted yep. here. Um, well, thank you again so much for being on the show today. Um, so when. Um, 
you know, your colleague first reached out to us, um, I actually had never heard about the 100 baby challenge before. Obviously, you know, we've been talking about the Sims in the last uh, couple of segments, but where did the 100 baby challenge come from? Ah, the lore, though. Well, long time ago, uh, someone made it. Someone made it online. I think it might have started on Tumblr. I'm not quite sure, but it's definitely on the Sims forums. Uh, someone, I sh- probably should look up who created it. I have a link to the to the official rules, uh, but then it was moved onto Tumblr for some reason or another. But uh, a re- I think it's like 2000... I really should know this lore better, but uh, I think it was like 2014 or something. It was like... It's been it's been a while that it's been out, or maybe even earlier. But essentially, uh, people within the Sims community like to make up challenges for other people to do. Uh, this has been predated, kind of doing challenges on YouTube, and uh, you would kind of just like do it and talk about it on the forums. And uh, one of which is the Hundred Baby Challenge. There's like a Legacy Challenge. There is a Rags to Riches Challenge. There's the Teen Runaway Challenge. There's a lot of challenges actually. For simmers out there, uh, and I'd seen, I'd been a, I'd played Sims since I was a kid, <clears throat> on and off, and uh, at the time I noticed that a lot of our community at BuzzFeed Multiplayer really liked uh, whenever I uh, put out Sims videos, and so this was like a challenge that I thought had a lot of great things to it, and decided to kind of try it out, like you know, uh, just for a video. If it didn't do that well, it was fine. If it did. It was great. It's a long game challenge, like most of the Sims challenges are. You can't really do it in one episode. It would have to be... It takes a lot of work. It's a lot of grinding. But, uh, yeah, it ended up, like, going viral and got, getting a massive following. And now it's, like, the thing I do. hundred <laughs> babies. Every week, pumping out babies so, in the Sims So what, what is the challenge? Because I'm so sure. confused. Totally. So the challenge is... That you have, you speak, it's, it's, you're supposed to have a hundred babies in Sims. So you have one matriarch Mm -hmm. or however, I mean, it could be a patriarch. It has to be a person. It has to be a person that can get pregnant, a Sim that can get pregnant. Uh, and they are supposed to have 100 children. Oh my God. Uh, all with different parents. Now you can have like twins and triplets and stuff, but essentially you have to seduce a new person every time. You can only have one pregnancy with one person at a time or a new people. So, uh, and so I decided that I was going to make a sim that, what, you can make whatever sim, but I decided I was going to make my sim look very creepily like me, (laughs) and then name her Chelsea instead of Kelsey. nice. And so Chelsea is, like, different, but, like, but, like, kind of me. Yeah. As a joke. (laughs) And, uh, we just, and, uh, I'm, I'm currently single, and so my, my boss, I was very well, my coworker slash boss. I guess he is my boss, but it's like weirder <laughs> to put it that way. But <laughs> but uh, we we noticed that people really like identifying like uh, like uh, identity to things. So we thought it would be really really ironic and funny if we we named it "Single Girl Tries the One Hundred Baby Challenge" and people tend to like that a lot. Uh, but essentially, <laughs> the challenge is that me, the single girl, has Chelsea uh, have a hundred different kids in The Sims 4, and uh, seduce, like, you know, almost 100 people. Obviously, we're starting to have a lot of twins now, so (laughs) it's going to be, like, almost half. It'll probably be, like, 60 in the end, What is the maximum amount of babies you can have in a single pregnancy in The Sims? I honestly 
don't know because there's always like mods and things like that but with the with the 100 baby challenge there's a ton of rules online to keep everybody kind of doing the same thing mm. uh so that it's like the same amount of difficulty for everybody but there's like rules and people vary all the time um I've, yeah, i just didn't know if there normally was like an it's like situation happening <laughs> normally it's like three i think i've heard of four um but i don't think more than four is like natural to the game i've only ever had twins in the game so far i know it's definitely possible to start having triplets but honestly i don't even want to look at that road because having triplets <laughs> sounds like so much work and already when i have two two toddlers it's too much it's too much work having two toddlers and i sound insane which is i guess why people like watching it literally crazy what i'm talking about no context right now i just think it's so good yeah exactly which i think is part of the part of the charm but um yeah and then you uh then eventually if the matriarch ages out of being able to have children so i think with the mechanic with the sims is that when you're pregnant you don't age because like if if she aged out of being able to be pregnant while pregnant, it would kind of cause problems. <laughs> so uh, you don't age while pregnant, so she can as long as she's like pregnant, she's like gonna stay young. Uh... But we're so we're creeping up to the time that if the uh, the matriarch ages to an elder, they can no longer have children, and then you switch to a new matriarch, which is the youngest current female member of the family. <laughs> So the changeover is is coming eventually, and I'm not ready to let Chelsea go. And also, it's co- so random. I can't exactly control who the youngest female member is going to be. Because, like, what if her last pregnancy is a girl, and I already named someone else Chelsea Jr., and then, you know, it's just it's stressful, a lot of stress. <laughs> so much stress. Oh, like, so how do you take – how many kids do you have right now? I think – This is so weird. Well, we, we, I, I block shoot them sometimes. I think we have about 25 so do you have to take care of all of them? So there's with the Sims, you can only have eight members of a household at a time. Oh boy! So, uh, so you're always trying to age up your chil- children out of get them out of the house so you can have more babies. So it's like this limitation of like I can't get pregnant again until I get like some teens out of my house. Oh my god! Get them out. This is uh, so. So yeah, so I don't, you only ever live with eight Sims at a time normally. So that's kind of max unless you had mods, which I do not want on it because uh, taking care of eight sims and making sure they don't all die is like a lot of work uh so but then i have like households of of other uh of all the kids that are adults uh that they can come visit i invite them over for special occasions and holidays you have like okay. potlucks and stuff yeah yeah but uh no you just get the kind of teens and down all in the house at the same time but her her family tree looks insane oh 25 I, kids i want to see that That'd be hilarious. It's very sad. You have to scroll. It just keeps going. (laughs) So do you have like a naming convention that you go with or do you just randomly like pick something that comes to mind? So with the names, when I first started, uh, I just, I did random. The very first episode, the very first child was a random name. Uh, and then after that, what what I really love about a lot of other simmers on YouTube and things that like I super admire and then mimicked in my challenge is the amount of uh, audience participation and communication. I really like when simmers challenge their audiences to build sims or houses or what have you and put them in gallery and get to interact and like have that uh, interaction where you're like, oh, you built this for me. We can kind of oh, I'm, we can kind of create together. I like I like gestures. When I get excited. And uh, so, but so with it, in in the second or third episode, I just ask audience members if they want to name my kids. 
to put them in the comments because it's like even easier than uh, those interactions with building characters because you don't need the Sims to to contribute to the world. And so I get a lot. So pretty much now it's like every handle, every social media platform I am on, there are people inundating me with baby names. <laughs> like amazing. Uh, but it's awesome it's super cool but it's also just like i don't even look here like i'm trying to you know tweet about my love of sean mendez and like you're in here being like name it name it charlie after me and i'm like i can't (laughs) but yeah so i I actually don't name any of my own children i just pick them out from audience members who submit their names it's super fun uh but uh recently i had uh, for this next episode, which is coming out, it, I, does this does this air on Friday? Friday, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it'll come out tomorrow. I'm having a special Mother's Day oh, uh, edition of the Hundred Baby yes, Challenge, so and we good. have a special guest on, and that guest gets to name the baby uh, this time around. This oh, week, oh my so. god, yeah. <laughs> have you ever thought about playing this with your mom? So that may or may not be the special guest. Oh, okay. I guess you'll have to head to Kelsey's channel uh, yeah. to, to find to find out. Um, yeah. This is a, a wild endeavor. So how much longer do you think you're going to have to keep at it yeah, to so have literally. 75 <laughs> Yeah. So a lot of simmers uh, and also like YouTube gamers in general you know, put out really constant videos. They put out multiple a week, um, sometimes every day. Uh, with working at Buzzy Multiplayer, I'm a producer of multiple contents. I, I produce across platforms. I also produce my own content. So it's a lot of uh, other work behind the scenes that, like, isn't quite the same. So unfortunately, like, with how we work, I can only produce one video a week of the show, which is sad, but it also has cultivated this really cool opportunity to make it more serialized like a television show, where like every Saturday you tune in and you get to see how many babies I have next, uh, which is super fun. It's like kind of, at first it felt like a setback for sure of not being able to keep up with the pacing of other people and the demand, but now it's become like a people's routines and it's like really exciting to kind of be a part of that. Uh, but so, yeah, but that also means that this show is going to last like over a year. Like it's yeah. probably to reach a hundred kids. We've been at this since December, end of December. And oh, uh, wow. it's like Q1, right? End of Q1 into Q2 right now. So it could be probably a year before we hit a hundred babies, Amazing. which is crazy but it's also so cool it feels like a a real tv show um and as like a lover of both internet and tv it's like the coolest like marriage of the two (laughs) awesome so how long is each episode each episode's about like 37 ish between 30 and 40 minutes and normally doesn't go over 40 minutes uh so it's kind of like a it's kind of like a sitcom a little bit it's like a family drama sitcom (laughs) and i like to get into the stories i really try to i really personify uh, all of my sims i was i was like an actor and like a writer kind of before i started on youtube so it's like kind of in my nature to like kind of create stories and worlds and characters even when like the sims is like they're all like technically sims they don't have all these like personality quirks that i like envision upon them yeah but yeah so so yeah it's like uh it's fun to have these characters interacting in this world that i'm kind of inventing on the fly and where can people watch this they can watch it on a youtube.com slash buzzfeed multiplayer and uh it's it's a very fun fun addictive time a lot of drama goes down in the sims and especially she's always seducing someone crazy uh so and also the kids are always around 
She's trying to seduce people, but be a mom. <laughs> Dude, this sounds like the best reality television I've been missing my entire life. Like, I'm it's very totally. excited to watch this. <laughs> it's so, it's such a mess. It's such a, just such a freaking mess. Have you and found then, like, any tactics that are particularly successful when you're seducing people trying to get pregnant? Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to go in slow can't just like boom come out the gate flirty they'll try to be like whoa what you doing so you gotta like kind of befriend them first like but chelsea has like uh gained a lot of experience with like how much she's done so she's like quite charming now and other like qualities so (laughs) so she can like start with a flirty introduction and like already get the ball rolling pretty fast it just depends on the character she's a she's a g yeah, she's she's got so much game, and I got no game, so it's, like, real fun, because I'm like, I'm a single girl, living out my game life. She's got, like, a sick hot tub to, like, get those boys inside, or girls, because in The Sims, uh, there's a mechanic where you can choose whether or not the person or the Sim can impregnate another Sim, mm-hmm. and whether or not that Sim can be impregnated when you're creating them. So, like... The organically sim spawned ones are very like A B, like male, female, generic. But with the audience interaction, I can have people make sims that can impregnate Chelsea and be female or like, you know, th- things like that. So Chelsea's Chelsea's, you know, not, she's got she's, game, man. Yeah, she's out there for everyone. She's an equal opportunity <laughs> lover. She is. Oh, it's perfect. She, she she's willing to make babies with pretty much everyone except for Santa Claus. And I, I will stick by that. I will not have a baby. What, what does she have against Santa Claus? He's creepy, man. He was in my house staring at stuffed animals in my toddler's bedroom alone during Christmas time. And I was like, dude, get out. Like, he's like, he's creepy. And a lot of people are like wanting me to have baby with Santa. And I'm like, no, I will not have a baby that's like where I draw the line is Santa Claus. I don't want to ruin that holiday for us. Well, Chelsea's got to have standards, all right? She does. Oh my God, she's this is some. The best. She's some standards. <laughs> so do the Sims just like name. randomly come by your house and you're like, you will impregnate me? Like, how do you mean? No, she got to go hunting. She got to go to the club, meet oh. some guys. Sometimes every once in a while, when I'm feeling real, like I need to get this going, she goes straight to their home. Oh hell yeah, <laughs> aggressive. Times. <laughs> but I like will download people that the, the audience makes for for Chelsea and uh, sometimes I'll know where they live and I'll be like, hey, what's up? But the game is quite funny because Chelsea doesn't age, but other people do. And so now all of her sim like potentials have, are starting to die and it's nuts. I know. Oh, no. <laughs> it's so, or like past lovers and then she gets real sad because their past lovers are dying and the kids are getting sad because their parents are dying. Oh, shit. It's a mess. Can you hire it's, like a like a babysitter just to live in your house? No. They like have nannies. Those. They have they have nannies. They have uh, they have maids and they have butlers. Uh, but I'm also a stingy Sims player. Okay. So like, yeah, I could have a butler, but like, you are not allowed in the challenge to have anybody else take care of the kids. Uh, you can't control someone else besides like your mm. teenagers and stuff, like kids internally. Yeah. You can't like invite people over and like have them kind of like force them to take care of your kids or anything like that because it's like <laughs> part of the challenge is that you got to raise them into adulthood on your own, which is oh part of the stress. Dang, that's like way best. too real. Um, so is it possible you think that by the time you get to the end of the challenge that some of your first kids will have died? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's like that's a grim deep. thought. I don't know. It's going to be really, I know, I know, <laughs> I know Chelsea. from fans that have already started their own challenges that they've experienced this. It hasn't happened yet for Chelsea, but our first child 
the beloved Olive. She was our firstborn sweet baby angel favorite of the clan. And I, I feel like I will cry if she dies. Like, she Aww. is my everything. Uh, we, to the point where we, I started uh, streaming Sims uh, on BuzzFeed Multiplayer's Twitch page, but we didn't want to, like, make a 100 baby challenge because for those who, you know, are YouTube diehards but don't want to switch platforms, it'd be, like, just jointed for the story. So I decided I wanted to do these spinoffs where I could, like, play the kids that have, you know, gotten out of the house and, like, kind of go mm. into their lives. And Olive's spinoff, you know, she wanted to become famous, and then she met the love of her life, and she and her girlfriend moved in together. They got a dog. It was amazing. And I'm like, I don't know if I can... I don't know if I can emotionally handle Olive (laughs) dying. Like, I can't. Like, I don't know what I'll do. It's so Welcome to parenthood, I guess, right? (laughs) Yeah. Weird parenthood where you live forever and all your kids die before you. And you have to have a hundred kids. Yeah. That would be hard. Oh my god! Um, is there? Yeah, I just like, the idea of trying to have a hundred kids in reality sounds. Oh my god, no! I get yeah, I get a lot of comments of people trying to be like, huh, "You should do this in real life," and I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> "No thanks." I've never heard that before. <laughs> okay, so like I am going to be a new watcher of this because I, you've sold me, and I have to be nice. an olive character. So should uh, I? I should start with episode one then, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you could probably jump in, but like you won't have the the, the context, all of the right? yeah the backstory, the lore, the lore. You know? Oh my god, <laughs> I'm so excited. Impeachishme family lore. Yeah, that's the other thing. Is her name is Chelsea Impeachishme, and my name is Kelsey Impeachake. <laughs> Okay, so okay, it probably will confused. confuse the yeah it'll it can it confuses everyone. I made a T-shirt that says "Not Chelsea" just to like <laughs> help out, and now people just call me "Not Chelsea" instead of my real name. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, amazing! Um, this is fascinating. I you know ha- have known The Sims is obviously a very robust game for a while and then did not realize that there was this whole subculture about um, baby making. So if you guys are interested, again, youtube.com slash BuzzFeed multiplayer. Um, But that's not the only thing that you do there. So you have quite a busy day when you're um, hosting and producing and shooting stuff at BuzzFeed. Like, what are some of the other projects that you're working on? Totally. Uh, Well, I have another show that I'm really, like, really love called Scared Buddies. It's with my co-producer, Zach Shashinsky, and we both pick out horror games because we both hate horror we just like hate it we don't like horror we don't like the jumps we don't like the scares which is ironic because i love dvd but that's like a whole other kelsey story of why i like dvd it's like the one horror game that i like like because like all the mechanics make me more in control where like i don't feel like there's so many jump scares and everyone's out to get me um but we both are big horror haters so we thought it would be funny for us to you know on the internet play a bunch of horror games and recently, we, we, we back in the day when we first started it, we played uh, Until Dawn, and mm. uh, we got, like, a lot of people really loving it, and what happened was that on YouTube, like, it, the performance wasn't quite what we were expecting, and we needed to move on to different projects, so we didn't finish the game, and then it became this kind of, like, like, cult following, where they're just like, you need to finish Until Dawn, you need to do it, and so eventually, after, like, six months... We decided to do a stream where we just finished the game, and it was so satisfying, and it kind of, like, led us into streaming Scared Buddies. And so now we're back where we started, uh, replaying Until Dawn, but we're doing it, but only choosing... It's a choice-based game, and we're only doing the bad choices. Oh, no! So we're trying to kill every character 
imaginable. If it's an animal can be killed, we're killing the animal. Like, we're killing everything. And it's truly hilarious and horrifying in equal measure. (laughs) Awesome. When do you stream that? We stream it on Wednesdays. Uh, we just did a stream today. We're wrapping it up next week. The finale is uh, next Wednesday, where we see if we can kill all of the characters. Because there was one character. I don't know. I don't know if people are going to want to watch it. It's also re-uploaded to YouTube. The cutdowns of the streams. But there's one character that we really were challenged with of wanting to kill or not kill. And so, like, we had to make other choices that maybe weren't the bad choices. So it'll it'll be interesting how it affects the end of this in the finale we don't know what's gonna happen oh that's mm. awesome i would love it if i could get my lovely co-host to stream scary games with me more often it's just obviously difficult because we live in different cities but that sounds Mm. so much fun it's super fun it's super fun because we get to like make fun of each other a lot and make it a little bit more bearable to do these horror games we even play a lot of like one player horror game i mean even until dawn is technically a one player game we mostly play one player horror games so we play them together so we that's, don't that's how cyber and I, yep cyber and i played until dawn in one single setting and we played it together too and we we're just like okay we had to make the decisions together and it was really fun it's so much fun. It's like playing a movie. I love those kind of choice-based games. Um, I really liked uh, uh, Detroit Become Human, too, mm-hmm. when it first came out. That was really fun. Uh, so we're thinking about maybe going into just bad decision buddy mode oh, no. and doing a couple of these. <laughs> oh, that's going to be intense. Yeah. But yeah. so, but the the opportunity for comedy is so there. And I'm not afraid to play with you. I just don't like playing alone. So we had a series called Lights Off, which we're going to be bringing back later this year, where essentially what we do is we uh, pair up. It's either me and Britt, me and Steimer, or Britt and Steimer. And we play a scary game with the lights off, and we use an infrared camera to kind mm. of make it more atmospheric. Um, and it was a really fun series. It's just, a, as you know, it's like a lot of production because you have to stream or record for so long and then doing the cut downs and the edits, um, just became something that we had to go to, um, a very talented editor for, because I was like, this is beyond my skill. <laughs> yeah. Can't, yeah. Can't it's a lot it. of work. Yeah. I, I, largely do a little bit of everything. So I'll do the edits. I'll do the filming. I'll be in them. I'll... Uh, we'll we'll do it all there. So it is, yeah, it is a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> but you kind of got to wear all of the hats when you work in digital media is something mm. that I learned all, certainly a long time ago. And it, it feels like a lot of outlets now are, want that and are looking for that. Um, it was funny because back, back in the day <laughs> when I was at uh, Mahalo Video Games, um, they were one of the forefront websites to do gameplay walkthroughs on YouTube back in like 2009, 2010, like way back when. And um, they, you know, kind of helped coin this term predator, the the producer editor, which has uh, unfortunately became like a real job description now. Um, do you guys have predators at uh, BuzzFeed? <laughs> we, I've, I've, I've heard that term, but honestly, not too often. Uh, we just call them producers, but yeah, we do. We are producer editors uh, and and also talent sometimes. Uh, that's largely what I am. 
it just depends on the project and how much we're doing. Since we have such a small team for multiplayer, it's actually a whole channel of just like essentially three people. Um, and two of those are producers and one's a supervising producer. Uh, it's, you know, we've gotten, we've had to like outsource a little bit just to like keep up with how much we've expanded and, and done. So I do a lot less editing than I used to, uh, which has opened me up to be more talent and more and produce more content. But yeah, it is, it's, we're, we're the, we're the predators. <laughs> we're the, we're out here. Praying. Predating. I was going to say predating. Predating. You said praying, yeah. <laughs> praying that uh, Premiere doesn't go, doesn't crash in the middle of your edit. Um, yeah. <laughs> or your PC dies, which is uh, double bad. Rip in peace. Yes. Well, we hope that you um, have a bigger, better, more beautiful PC um, on the way. I assume Thank that you. you're in the process of building something new. Yeah, so I think what we th- we've narrowed it down, and I think it's a software issue. So I think uh-huh. the PC will live a- another day, but it'll be the biggest pain to redo everything. Oh, <laughs> Luckily, no. most of the games that I've been playing on it uh, are are like cloud backups, so I think I should be good to go. Like DBD, a lot mm-hmm. of Steam stuff, so uh, Overwatch, things like that. So it won't be too bad. Won't be the worst thing, but all my OBS stuff is uh, gonna have to be redone. Oh Yay! no! Having to you build all those scenes from scratch. Oh, just the thought better. of it makes me anxious. I know. <laughs> You're like, oh god, I had everything perfect, and I could press one button, and it would take me two minutes oh. to start streaming, and now I'm gonna do it all over again. But <sighs> hopefully, you'll be able to do it much quicker this time. Since you already know kind of the way you want to set it up, but yeah, yeah, what yeah, a pain you know, I think in the it's neck. An opportunity. I might want to, you know, do some some redesigning of my of my stream stuff since I kind of just like threw up stuff and I was like, this is fine when I first started. So it's only been through like one redo, so it might be time to upgrade. See, Who knows? There you go. Yeah. Silver yeah, lining. Exactly. Yeah. We definitely know that feeling. We haven't changed our streaming graphics ever i don't think we did change our overlays at one point because our original overlay had a ton of background in it and everyone was like why is your camera window so small and i was like that's a great question (laughs) ah (laughs) (laughs) let me fix that (laughs) yeah mine is just like i kind of like went into photoshop and like most of my graphics are like i went into photoshop one day and like did it and i didn't really look too far into like doing better (laughs) yeah I know so that it'd be feeling cool to well. Have, like those cool streamer stuff where it's like pops up and it like moves and stuff. Oh, I'm like, oh, that's so advanced. <laughs> I know. I see, I see some people's streams and I'm like, dang, I feel like so like small peanuts. Um, oh my god! C- compared to some of the cool stuff that's out there, and I'm like, yeah. maybe I should do something like that. And then I like look into how to get it done, and I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm just gonna go drink wine instead or have some whiskey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's work. Yeah, yeah, I have one friend. He literally has a trailer that he can pop up for when people, new people, like rate him and stuff. He could be like, "Oh, welcome to the channel. Here's a here's a little bit of background about me," and it's like a trailer of his gameplay. And I'm like, "You're so much cooler than me." <laughs> I'm just like, "Hey, what's up?" <laughs> hey. <laughs> and that's it that's that's my welcome moment amazing it's a nice dance though i'd be into thank it you. thank you it's like squidward squidward <laughs> Britt, we need to get a dance we need to get a welcome dance oh yeah okay if i dance if you just randomly flailing about i can i can deliver 
Yeah, and I, I have faith in you and your ability to make Thanks. weird dance moves. And I can do that for sure. Excellent. Well, Kelsey, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming by the show today. If you guys are interested in following Kelsey on all of her platforms at Kelsey Dangerous, we're going to have her links um, in the show notes and in the YouTube description below, of course. And you can catch up on the latest happenings in the 100 Baby Challenge at <laughs> youtube.com slash BuzzFeed Multiplayer and watch Scared Buddies at twitch.tv slash BuzzFeed or BuzzFeed Multiplayer. BuzzFeed Multiplayer, yeah. All right. You heard all of the links. Again, we will put those in the description for you if you're driving or if you're out jogging and you're like, oh, I can't write them down. Um, you can always come back and click on those. Um, again, Kelsey Impichike. <gasps> yeah, you did it! Yes, I got Woo! it at the very end. Impichike. Impichike. Guys. Will we see you at E3? You will. Yeah, let's do it. Let's hang. Yeah, I would love that. It'll be so fun. Um, so we'll make uh, we'll make plans to to hang out and and have a cocktail and get the update on what's going on with all the babies. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> and, and hopefully we can get you back on the show sometime in the future. Um, you were a ton of fun. Yeah, this was a blast. I loved it so much. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, have a great weekend, everybody. We will see you on our anniversary stream. And until next time, take care. <laughs> <laughs>